Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. We're going we're, we're to shift gears, uh, and, and folks, we're going to go into a little bit more complex situation that is developing across America right now. You need to be aware of it. You're all aware of the religion of climate change. You're certainly aware of all the environmentalism, etc. That doesn't surprise you. But probably most of us are unaware of the particular steps that are being taken. And, uh, well, I'm going to stop right there and let the congressman pick it up. So, congressman, you have to move a little slower on this one and define things as you go. So we're all tracking with you when you talk about this amazing piece of information that you and I have been talking about. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Um, first, I'd start with what's going on in the upper Midwest uh, just briefly. And then I want to back up to the World Economic Forum and bring it back to where we are. I hope I can pull that off here um, this evening. But um, the here here in Iowa, first first Joe Biden signed last August the bill that we know of now as even then the um, the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act had in it huge carbon credits so, so that we they, they, we would use taxpayer dollars to fund the sequestration of CO2. They believe that- right, I'm gonna keep stopping just to sequestra sequestration. Most people understand that, but just I wanna make sure, what does that mean? Okay, sequestration means in this operation, compressing CO2 down to a liquid form and <clears throat> at high pressure, and then pumping it down into either old oil wells or new wells into a formation a mile or deeper into the ground. And they believe it stays there forever. Um, I haven't studied that science very much, but I just think it's a very foolish thing to do. But that's what they're—that's what it is. And I, I look at it this: that when you heard AOC talk about all these carbon credits and the Green New Deal, that's exactly what it is. Um, and Joe Biden tried to get it done in the, the 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 Build Back Better plan. You've heard him talk about that. Well, that Build Back Better plan didn't pass the uh, the legislature, but because Joe Manchin blocked it. And he took a hostage. Well, they gave him his they gave him his wish, and he got out of the way. And then this passed in the in the Deficit Reduction Act. But carbon credits, yeah, it's the idea of paying people if they if they um, sequester or put this carbon in a place where it doesn't come back into the atmosphere again, or maybe temporarily even. And the the dollar figure on that went up to eighty five dollars a metric ton of of CO two. It's liquid CO two. It's at high pressure, 2,200 pounds a square inch or more. And that's typical on what we'd find in a hydraulic hose on an excavator or a bulldozer or a farm tractor. That's a lot of pressure and it's a high risk. And we use it to use the CO2 to euthanize hogs in the packing plants. So it's also very dangerous. And maybe I'll get to that. But that's this, um, this incentive that came out in that triggered two big operators to come in here and plan pipelines to collect all of the CO2 that comes out of our ethanol plants. Now, I've been involved in that industry going clear back to 1978, and there are 43 ethanol plants in Iowa, about that many again in the Corn Belt in the upper Midwest. All of them emit CO2, biological CO2, out of the fermenter and the stack at about 98% purity and a significant volume so that this, this upper Midwest Corn Belt ethanol plants, it's the largest supply of, of the purest form of CO2 any place in the world. 
98% pure and around 80 or more ethanol plants pushing it out. Um, the credits, that, that hangs a big, uh, a big advantage, a big a carrot out in front of these investors to collect that and pump it down into the ground and take a check from the federal government. These are, car these are tax credits, but the tax credits, um, just to inform people, legislators don't want to even describe this in the, for in the form of refundable tax credits, but that is what they are. And a refundable tax credit is, we call it a tax credit, but we write you a check and you don't have to have a tax liability to cash that check. It's the equivalent of a check from the federal government, the equivalent of cash. So these are refundable tax credits. And uh, then, then uh, we have, the, but the investors in this, I'll just, I'll frame two investors and then, then I'll go to the global side of this thing. And that is the, the two investors that are primary in this are Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock Investments. That should ring somebody's bell, BlackRock. He controls at least $10 trillion. There are really only two countries in the world with a larger GDP than his investment portfolio is. Some say it goes to $20 trillion. Well, he is the lead on a company called Navigators. They want to build, if I can get my numbers right, 1,300 miles of pipeline through the five states in the upper Midwest, South Dakota, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois. And they would collect CO2 from in, in liquid form through these pipelines from the ethanol plants. And that would go to the Southeast down into Southern Illinois near the, into the oil fields. And they would pump that down into the ground to sequester it where they say it'll stay forever. That's Larry Fink. He's the Democrat leftist operation that goes all the way to the World Economic Forum. And that pipeline runs from the Northwest in South Dakota clear down to the southeast into Illinois. Then that's that's a network of, uh, you know, like that's a network of collecting systems and then a main line. Then the other pipeline is, is Summit Carbon Solutions. That CEO is Bruce Rastetter, whom I've done battle with for a long, long time. Um, he has built six ethanol plants in Brazil. He wants to bring that up to the United States and use it on the Gulf Coast because he can collect our credits for turning it into green jet fuel is what he says he will do. Brazilian ethanol converted in, in the U.S. for carbon credits out of our tax dollars. And by the way, when we are paying deficit spending, the money, the money is borrowed from China so that we can pay the debts of the United States. And we've got hundreds of millions of dollars of Chinese investment in this operation that the I want you to back up right there. Repeat the last three to four sentences. Okay. Go back with Ruth Restetter and Brazil. Pick it up right there and then run it right back forward one more time. Okay, thank you. Um, Bruce Restetter is actually an Iowa native and uh, he grew up about 150 miles east of me. He started out in the hog business, cashed out, went into the ethanol business for ethanol plants in Iowa. They went broke, um, but he cashed out of that. He rolled his money into some farmland in western Nebraska, then took it out and went to Brazil. Bruce Rastetter, the CEO of Summit, went to Brazil and started building ethanol plants. He's on the way, he's halfway done or more with six ethanol plants. He'll put a billion gallons of ethanol in the market out of a year out of Brazil. His partners down there are Chinese, Chinese uh, ownership and Chinese takeover, Chinese money. Uh, so he's about half Chinese, about half Bruce Rastetter. And then he wants to take that ethanol out of Brazil, that billion gallons a year, ship it up to the United States, 
and have us build a plant on the Gulf Coast, probably Louisiana, and use that to make a green jet fuel out of it because it'll qualify for the carbon credits from AOC's Green New Deal. So we'd be importing Brazilian ethanol and borrowing money from China to fund Bruce Ratterstetter's investments, not only in the upper Midwest that I've described, but also on the Gulf Coast. And, and it's published and known. And we had a big conference on Saturday with roughly 400 people there, legislators from multiple states, pu published that they admit that there is significant Chinese investment in the LLC called Summit that is, that is run by Bruce Rastetter. So to bring that to that rationale, it is, it is this, that we would be borrowing money as a, as a federal government to pay refundable tax credits, essentially cash, to people who set up a business to collect, really create a duopoly on the access to the largest volume in the purest form of CO2 in the world. And in doing so, we have to borrow from China to pay our national debts and pay the interest back to China and the principal. Meanwhile, we're paying off the investments of Chinese investors that are into this with Bruce Rastetter and with Larry Fink. And when you put these two pipelines together, the one that I described that is Larry Fink's that starts in South Dakota to the Southeast clear down to Illinois, um, his uh, 1300 miles and, and Bruce Rastetter's Summit Carbon Solutions starts in Southeast Iowa. And it's a network that goes to the Northwest all the way, it reaches into Minnesota, Nebraska, South Dakota, and, and terminates in the oil fields in North Dakota. These pipelines run in some places parallel to each other and they cross three times and you've got CO2 going two opposite directions. It's a, it's a foolish business model, but that tells you there's something else going on here. They, they want to secure this. And so if in the- Wait a minute, just stop right there. One's, one's pumping the CO2 south, the other one's pumping it north, Yes. Uh, why wouldn't it be logical to, if you're going to run it a mile deep in the earth, uh, North Dakota would be the Williston Basin. Why wouldn't they pump it down there as opposed to bring it across the country and then take go opposite directions? I don't quite know the answer to that, but I think politics is a piece of this. And, and I think we have to look at how this works from the, from the World Economic Forum side. And if I paint that picture, then I'll come around and paint the picture for the politics in the upper Midwest. And I think it might explain it. It says that I did a deep dive into the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the United Nations, a lot of those tentacles that are one world government oriented. And Larry Fink's been at this for about 20 years as head of BlackRock. He is on the board of the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab rubbing elbows with him. He rubs elbows with George Soros, too. He, Larry Fink has been the promoter of the, the lead global promoter of the ESG, which I know you've talked about on your sessions, Jim. And uh, and so and also the lead promoter of these carbon credits. Well, yeah. Go ahead and take a moment and, and mention what ESG is. We have covered it quite a bit, but uh, we may have some new listeners. ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And so and, for environmental, social and governance. What does that actually mean for a company? That's That means that they, they produce this scoring system to evaluate. If you're a company, they want to know how much, how well you participate in promoting the environment, how well, how woke you are on the social, to put it bluntly, and uh, how how well you cooperate with, with governance and how you influence governance to follow the woke, the environmentalism, the things that come out of the World Economic Forum. 
that firm, that term, ESG, environmental, social, and governance, that it was that was cooked up at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Uh, other phrases cooked up there you might recognize. I, I used one, build back better, exactly rooted behind the curtain at the World Economic Forum. And so they they grew this out of here. They convinced the uh, Western Europe that the carbon carbon uh, the CO two was going to be driving the temperature of the Earth up. And I don't I don't believe that scientifically, and it's a really foolish thing economically. But I've debated those people all across Europe and down into the Balkans, uh, multiple multiple countries. And so I saw what was happening as their minds were being shifted by this. I mean, I, I lived through that time in my trips over there, going clear back twenty years or so. So I've seen this flow. And I see it at the state level and I saw it at the congressional level. But the shorthand version is this, that Davos and the World Economic Forum and Larry Fink and George Soros and Klaus Schwab control, they, they, they control the push of this environmentalism globally. And Soros in particular controls the Democratic Party here in the United States. So when they had a trifecta with Pelosi in the in as speaker and the Democrat majority in the House, and Schumer in the Senate, and when Biden was elected, they brought home to us the deficit, or excuse me, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, which had in it these huge credits. When that was signed last August, it launched this. But this, the mother load of this, the holy grail, I just, that's almost be uh, <laughs> blasphemy to say it this way, but is the ethanol and the CO2 in the upper Midwest. So they could not plow their way through the property rights in the upper Midwest with the with the Democrat agenda, even globally, and, and somebody had to be able to take this thing on the Republican side. That was Bruce Rastetter, and they teamed up. And I, but I think that's why one runs one way, one runs the other way, because they're competing for these ethanol plants. But also, they both recognize that neither could accomplish it if they didn't have the maximum power of the other one. That might explain it to a little bit, Jim. There's so much more to say, but I think I'm down pretty close to the end here. Well, you have done a remarkable job to describe something profoundly uh, complex. Uh, maybe you covered this and I missed it. Can you touch on one more topic, the issue of eminent domain and property rights and the implication for folks, what we're talking about now are biblical issues. My, my book, Well-Versed, which uh, Congressman King knows well that we had Bible studies in Congress uh, on this early in the mornings, and we would walk through the biblical foundations, and there was 30 political topics. I'm writing a new one right now called Well-Versed in a Woke World. It'll be out by the end of the year, and we're covering 60 topics. And many of the things he's talking about, we're covering in there. And in topics like transhumanism, AI, a long list of topics. I won't go into all of them right now. 60 different topics. So my concern is the biblical grounding to all this what does god say i care way more about that than any political party anybody else so that's what we're focused on right now so this is critical well, one of the things the scripture lifts up and affirms strongly is the issue of property rights private ownership of property is strongly affirmed in scriptural sociologically it is a component of any successful culture society and nation that must be there. It's one of the five principles that needs to be present to see economic and sociological, sociological lift to a community. That being the case, can you talk about the implications for this eminent domain? When you got a pipeline, I, I'm a farm kid from Kansas, as you know, and we had pipelines come through periodically. 
I know what that was like. And so uh, talk to us about the aspect of the implication for property rights. Well, yes, and I, I did leave that out, and I'm glad you brought it up, Jim. Um, that's that's the centerpiece for me that I'm doing battle with, and I've got a Zoom call. We'll set up a formal organization here 30 minutes after uh, after this program. But um, the property rights are this. Nor, the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution reads, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. They didn't mention private property being taken for private profit uh, with or without any kind of compensation because it was outside the, the, the concepts of our, of our framers of our constitution that private interests could ever build the leverage to take private property for private gain. But that is where we are. We had a Kelo decision in 2005. Suzette Kelo's home and her neighbor's homes were, were confiscated. They were, they were eminent domain. Uh, in, a, in a takings, but when the city of New London, Connecticut um, decided that they built an economic development plan, they condemned her property and others took it into their possession. And then the preparation was to hand it over to a developer to build a Pfizer pill factory. Um, that went to the United States Supreme Court and on a split decision five to four, they granted that authority to the city of New London, Connecticut to take private property, Suzette Kilo's home, and do so for into an economic development plan for, for um, economic purposes. And John Paul Stevens wrote that majority opinion. He really changed the words from for public use, or excuse me, uh, yes, for public use to for public purpose is what he wrote in there. So he amended the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution. Justice Scalia looked me in the eye about a week later than that. I had him guess him as a, as a host speaker in my breakfast. And he said, this is an erroneous decision and it will be reversed one day. Well, they're using that, and they've got it to the place now where two of three people on a three-person utilities board in Iowa can grant condemnation, eminent domain authority to the private interests of these pipelines, and then they decide whose rights they want to plow through. Hundreds of miles of the best farmland in the world is now subject to two people on a utilities board, both of them handpicked to say, go ahead and take that property. And if we don't stand in the way of that, they will be bulldozing through these hundreds of miles of the best farmland in the world for private gain. And it's so abhorrent to me from a constitutional perspective, a moral perspective too, that I've stepped up into this. We did a large event on Saturday. I, I filed as an intervener and I intend to take this all of the way I don't think they stop. They'll be drawing $17 billion a year out of our tax dollars if we let them. And I don't think they'll stop until we get to the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court reverses Kilo, I think they go to the United States Congress and try to do something to try to make this work. That's how bad this is. And if this will destroy property rights in America, and if they're destroyed, there goes free enterprise, and there goes a big chunk of the biblical foundation for the greatness of America. They'll, they'll be reaping profits of $17 billion a year by doing this? Yes. Just just these three pipelines that, that are set up here in the Midwest gathering the ethanol. There's others across the country that I haven't kept up with. $17 billion. But I give you, I think, on the phone, an astonishing number, Jim. And uh, I haven't said it very much publicly because it's so breathtaking. But so their goal is to get to what they call carbon neutral by the year 2050. And this is the low-hanging fruit. It's the lowest unit price you could get for sequestering a metric ton of CO2. Um, so 
I've got I've calculated those numbers and put it into a spreadsheet. It's published in uh, Gateway Pundit and in Town Hall Magazine. It's called the the Anatomy of a Boondoggle. Uh, but but so I took that unit price per metric ton and I multiplied it times the forty billion metric tons a year that they want to get sequestered to get to carbon neutral. And the cheapest price we could have per ton multiplied by their number of the amount of CO2 and the cost per, per every year to get to carbon neutral with the plan they have, the cost is unbelievable. It's over 19 quadrillion dollars a year. Now that's a number that nobody can comprehend. And so I took the global gross domestic product, which is about 95, $95 trillion a year of all the produce production of the globe. And this is of course all the CO2 in the globe divided the GDP 95 trillion into the 19 quadrillion. And it comes out to almost exactly 200 times the annual GDP of the world. They would spend $200 for every dollar we can gross to get to carbon neutral. It's so unbelievably ridiculous. And yet we're marching down that path. History will write this as the stupidest generation that they've ever seen. My parents were the greatest generation. I think we're looking over our shoulders from at the stupidest generation, and I won't live to see them write that, but I just want to say it out loud while well, I can draw this free breath, this free breath. Oh, and when we will set up tonight, we're going to formalize an organization, and I intend to take this all the way that I can. And I have, as I said, I'm an, I've filed as an intervener. I've hired a lawyer. I don't have the money, but we'll figure it out. The Lord will provide. What he said, if I understood you right, was take the gross domestic product, the product, of 193 nations of the earth. That's how many member nations in the UN. Now, there's a few more nations. That, so maybe, let's say 200 nations approximately. And the total GDP, gross domestic output from those nations is uh, is, is what, what amount again? 95 trillion. 95 trillion. Yeah. And, and so this figure is 200 times that. Yes. Per, every year. Every year. Every year. Um, you always stretch me, Congressman. I'm so honored to have you on. I, is there is there a, a plan, a, a call to action to us? Who can they write? Who can they call? Who can they contact? Uh, to to do, my concern is obviously the biblical, scriptural, theological overtones of all this. Uh, that's my that's what I'm consumed by, and this is just biblically wrong. And we could make the case for it. We we don't have the time to go into that now. I'm kind of like a commercial. Get the book. It will cover a lot, especially the new one coming out. So what do we do? Who do we contact on this? We'll formalize tonight a different and a new website. The one right now that they could contact that's up and running is goevents101.com. And there'll be a there'll be a place to click on there, but it's just G-O-E-E-V-E-N-T-S 101 and then dot com. And once that website opens up, you'll see a picture there that shows hazardous pipelines. You can click on that. You can donate there. Please say your prayers. We will have, though, a new name um, and a new website. I know what they are, but I'm sworn to secrecy. I wish I had another hour to back up and tell you what that is. But it's, um, it's, it's it, I just want to tell you just for a second how this all worked out. How do we name it? And we, we've just been in a conundrum for a long time. And uh, and so we all had a promise that we would give our brains an assignment. And we went to bed tonight. And we wake up with the inspiration. That all happened, except my wife didn't take that pledge. And when we offered our solutions to her, she just kind of looked, well, I'm not really lit up by anyone. Why don't you use? And she uttered the very phrase that we're going to name it here in the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
You can't accidentally <laughs> just slip and say it. I can't. I want to, but <laughs> you know, I want to say that also for just you know, so well versed in the in the middle of the arena that I've lived in for so long. You're just whipsawed uh, by people pulling away at your conscience, and this doesn't pull at my conscience. It's your sense of humor, I know, because you know me. Uh, but uh, I heard this expressed this way, and I, I hope people internalize this. If you go into the legislative arena, and they will say, "Well, we need your vote on this," and they twist your arm, and it's only a little bit; it won't matter. And they twist your arm again. And after a while, you think, well, it bothers my conscience, but I'm just only a little bit. And then the next week, it's a little bit more. And the next week, it's a little bit more. And eventually, you've compromised away your conscience. As soon as you make a deal with your conscience, you're on the path to compromising it all the way. And I, I just stand on principle, biblical principles, stay strong in all of that. And the Lord will walk you right through the fire like he has me. And I'm unsinged, unburned. And I'm actually better off today and happier than I've been in years. But you boy, what you folks, what you just heard right there in these last two minutes is worth the entire call. You just Google and see the fire they've put him through. See the things they've said about him. This man's been viciously attacked and he is at peace. They're, they're not able, they're not able to destroy him. Uh, he's in the, in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, but there, there's a fourth person in there and that's Jesus who's protecting him. I'm so I'm so grateful for you. And, and, and what you talked about just a moment ago, that inch by inch compromise. Nobody goes to D.C. and say, hey, I'm just going to I'm going to sell out my values and become a jerk. No, what happens is little by little. Mm -hmm. And I, I've done a lot of reading and analysis and even some speaking on the topic. And I'm convinced that the essence of it is this. Once a person comes to the point where they long for the accolades and approval of other humans more than they fear and reverence God. In that moment, they will capitulate and compromise, period, and it's over. Uh, so the, the mission of Wellverse is to help people not capitulate, but to reverence and fear and stand in awe of a holy and just God and the truth of his word. Congressman, you always inspire me. Every time I hear you, just, I just thank God for you. So it's folks, it's Go Events. That's a plural, eat with an S on the end. GoEvents101.com. And in about 29 minutes from now, he's going to have new information <laughs> for us. You know what? When you're going to that meeting, as soon as you announce, we're going to go to prayer. You check back in with us. If we're still uh, praying, and, and maybe, and we're still live on, on this link that you're on, you come back on and tell us, okay? I will do that. I'd be delighted to. Uh, just, if I could deliver two pieces of good news to this, this uh, prayer session tonight instead of just one and then a long, sad story. Um, I'd be so very happy to do that. And, okay. I, and I just, um, I just, you're just so, so grateful with your mentorship, uh, Jim, and the presentations that you've made. It, it's helped me stay strong throughout all this. And you've helped walk me through that fire. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.